Hello. My name is Kevin Albertson, and I'm a professor of economics at Manchester Metropolitan University Business School. Now, I, I want to talk to you today about how we can approach what I call the, the decade of disruption. And I call it that because, well, as a, a problem that we have been kicking down the road, as they say, for rather too long, for 30 to 40 years at least. And now it's time to do something about that problem, to begin to tidy up our mess. If we don't, then the mess may actually get too big for us to tidy. By 2030, we need our socioeconomic system to be in a different place from where it is now. Now, this is quite a challenge. However, I think we can raise that. We can raise ourselves to the challenge. But first of all, let's, let's kind of motivate it with a, with a story. Let's suppose, just for the sake of argument, that you win some kind of competition, the lottery, something like that. You get a lot of resources that you weren't necessarily expecting, sufficient resources to change completely your quality of life. Now, this is what it was like in the Industrial Revolution. Prior to the Industrial Revolution, essentially, the economic system had to get by on the amount of energy it received annually from the sun, mostly at any rate. So you had wind power, you had water power, things like that. You obviously had power from growing food and eating it provides power. However, the Industrial Revolution was built on the exploitation of fossil fuels. We didn't have to rely only on the power we received on a day-by-day, month-by-month, year-by-year basis. We could exploit all of the power, or a lot of the power, that was inherited from the past through these fossilized fuels. That, of course, originally came from the sun, but the point is it's like a one-off inheritance or a one-off winning of the national lottery. And that allowed us significantly to improve our quality of life. Of course, that it didn't address the distributional things, but in the end, uh, without going too much into how the distributional aspects got sorted out, the world as a whole exploited that to improve the quality of life for most, if not everybody. Now, when you receive a, a one-off like that, a one-off win of the lottery, if you like, or one-off inheritance, as we have with the, the fossil fuels, how are we going to use that becomes the next order of the day. We could, for example, suppose, well, we won the, the lottery today, so let's just blow all of that cash and assume we're going to win another lottery next year, next decade, whatever. That is a possibility, but it may be something that we don't want to rely on. The other way we could do it is to consider, okay, we have some extra resources. We might never get such a boost in our resources again. So let's use these resources to start us down a permanently more prosperous route. Now, so far, our attitude towards fossil fuels has been rather more of the former. We've always considered that there's probably more fuel just around the corner. But that is looking increasingly like unrealistically wishful thinking. Apart from anything else, fuels of, sorry, stocks of fossil fuels are limited. And as the supply gets shorter, economics tells us the price is going to increase. And this is going to impact on our entire way of life. We also know even those stocks of fuels that we know about, we can't necessarily burn them all because otherwise we face ecological challenges. So we come to the decade in which we find ourselves. We've had a fair number of warnings, to be honest. The oil shocks of the 70s and 80s warned us about dependency on cheap energy. 
The global financial crisis of 2008 indicated to us that we couldn't just rely on the wizardry of finance to make up for the fact that energy was becoming in shorter supply. The coronavirus indicates that with the best will in the world, sometimes events occur which our economies are not resilient to. And yet we adapt. And if we are determined enough, we can come up with solutions. The speed, for example, of which the, the vaccines for the coronavirus were developed was, quite frankly, staggering if you consider how long it normally takes to develop a vaccine. So we have a challenge. We have a decade to change the direction of our economy, to change our dependency on energy. And it's quite a large change we have to make. However, I, I do believe that we can do it. It's going to be more of a matter than, well, certainly just growing our own tomatoes so as to save on air miles and telling ourselves it doesn't really matter because we'll all be driving battery-powered cars in future. It's going to take a lot more than that. One of the reasons why is batteries often rely on lithium. Again, there are limited stocks of lithium in the world. So it is not going to be a matter of substituting different energy sources. It's not going to be a matter of relying on batteries. It is going to be a matter of a fundamental change in our approach to our economy. But these things have happened before. So I want you to, uh, to think about um, Sherlock Holmes. Okay, I don't know if you're into detective novels. I don't mean the modern Sherlock Holmes. I mean the one set in Victorian England. Sherlock Holmes lived in quite clearly a different world from the one in which we live. If he wanted to get around town, he had to travel in a horse-drawn carriage or a handsome cab. Okay, he had railways, steam railways. Didn't have indoor plumbing as such. Didn't have electric lighting. Heating was provided more or less by burning things. And for working class people in Victorian England, essentially they were living in very similar circumstances to cave dwellers. Okay, maybe the caves were built out of brick. Maybe what they were burning was coal instead of bits of wood. But by and large, things had not significantly well, there was not an awful lot of modernity around compared with the world we find ourselves in today. Spin forward a short three decades and we come up with another detective, Hercule Poirot. He has indoor plumbing. He has a telephone. He has a car. He is obviously living the modern life. Now, I know you're probably thinking all of those mod cons, as we call them, those modern conveniences weren't rolled out to... Everybody in Britain, the working class people, indeed, you know, really, until after the, the war, the Second World War. But the point is they were there. The change in going, that short period of time, the first few decades of the 20th century, that was a staggering change in our socioeconomic approach to life. And we can do that again if we want. We've had a century of progress since then. We know what needs to be done. And so if we set our minds to it, we can do it. But we're not going to do it if we simply leave it to the market. We're only going to manage it if we decide what changes need to be made and then go about implementing them. Many of the things in the modern economy, quite frankly, are, are simple wastes of energy. Luxuries may have to be scaled back, it's true, as energy becomes in short supply. But is it better to scale back on our luxuries or is it better that the poor and vulnerable are going to have to scale back on their necessities? We have to make decisions like that. It may well be that, in fact, we don't scale back on our luxuries. We just consider that they come from other things. It may be that 
perhaps. We don't replace our mobile phones every year or so. We may have mobile phones that last 10 years, but we have other luxuries which are less energy intensive on which we can rely. So the long and the short of, of this well, short talk, the short of this short talk, is that we do face challenges as we come into this decade. There are many decisions that we have put off from the past. We knew we'd have to make these decisions, but we thought, well, let the next generation do it. Unfortunately, the generation that is going to have to face these decisions is now our generation. I would prefer, if it was up to me, maybe I would prefer still to put it off for future generations to worry about. That's certainly what the past has been doing to us. But it's time to face up. We have to take these choices. And the sooner we realize that we can actually build a better but less energy intensive future, the easier it's going to be to do it. Thank you very much for your kind attention.